there. Welcome on in. I'm Austin Horton. It is EP podcast time on a Wear Red Friday. We are doing things a little differently today, folks. We are live in, well, not live. This is a podcast. I'm recording it live, obviously, but we are inside my basement today, and we might be for the foreseeable future as uh, the studios are undergoing a quote-unquote remodel at Vivint Smart Home Arena, the uh, the earthquake that happened uh, in March knocked out a bunch of our equipment to the point where it couldn't be repaired and needed to be replaced. And so that is what's going on there. Uh, thank goodness for insurance. But meaning some of our editing bays and production studios are currently unavailable. So they've set me up with this sweet little machine, and I'm excited to be doing this at home now for the next little while. Uh, we like to start each and every day off, off out or out the, the very same way with a this day in sports history, and with it being Friday, May 29, it is 23 years to the day that John Stockton sent the Utah Jazz to the NBA Finals. Yes, folks, 23 years ago, and I can just like you, I'm sure, remember every single detail of it as though it happened last night. 23 years ago tonight. John Stockton made that shot. There was maybe some illegal screening going on. Who knows? There was, we'll say, bear hugs between uh, Carl Malone and Clyde, Clyde Drexler. But Stockton made the shot, and the Jazz went to the finals for the first time. And I, like many of you, I'm sure, uh, remember exactly everything that went down, as I said a moment ago. But I really, truly remember going to the airport that night with my mom and dad and siblings waiting in a giant rainstorm, or I guess it was a rain, giant rainstorm happened after the celebration, but waiting for the plane to arrive and all the players driving by. I remember Big Dog, uh, Antoine Carr, up on the, the windshield on the outside of, a, of his Chevrolet, and as he drove through the crowd, just waving and wiping tears from his eyes. And uh, it was a beautiful, uh, amazing me- moment in my life and uh, a fun memory, and I'm so grateful I got to share it with my family. Uh, that night, uh, and uh, it was a it was a great time, great time, and I, I hope that we're not uh, too far off from similar feelings here uh, in Jazz Nation, as it were. I hope that uh, we can uh, see the that kind of success return and continue and get the Jazz to the NBA Finals uh, before too long again, and hopefully this time around uh, there won't be the greatest player playing on the planet at the time uh, in the way. All right, so there you go. That's this day in sports history on the EP podcast. I'm going to start out today talking uh, about uh, the University of Utah and its return to uh, campus plans that it detailed yesterday uh, in a press conference. And I'm going to just read some of the details now. Mark Harlan, athletic director, held a a little uh, video press conference uh, or press availability and talked about the plan for uh, students, student-athletes, I should say, to prepare to return to the University of Utah next month, which, if you haven't noticed, next month begins Monday, uh, for voluntary workouts related to their sport. And the university uh, released a detailed plan to ensure their safety amid a still uncertain future related to the coronavirus pandemic. The plan, uh, its idea is to make sure that student-athletes feel safe are safe and still allow them to uh, use the facilities that are up there at the University of Utah to train for whatever sport they're involved in. Uh, and uh, in-state athletes will be the first individuals allowed to return to campus on June 15 
which is the first day the Pac-12 will allow for athletes to return to campus to train. There is a three-part phase-in process that the plan begins with, uh, and it includes football, men's and women's basketball, gymnastics, volleyball, and soccer. They'll all be allowed to return to campus by the end of June. Once that initial phase-in period concludes, the U will reassess how the voluntary phase-in period worked and then put together a final four phases to welcome all student-athletes back to campus. And they hope that uh, by July 13, this this is all in place and ready to go, although they did uh, concede that that date is not set in stone and could change. Here's a quote from Mark Harlan, quote, we've been working collaboratively with the Pac-12 and their medical group and also working with our students along the way. Many of our students are anxious to come back and work out in these incredible facilities that we're blessed to have. And of course, our obligation is to do it in the safest possible manner. And that's what we plan to do. So this is good news for those of us, myself included, who would like to see return to play happen sooner than later. I, I, I'm not an expert. I didn't go to medical school. I don't have any medical training. All I can do is read and discern what I feel is best and what I feel is most right. And that's the problem with this whole situation is that's all any of us can do. And that's how we get these conflicting ideas. And we have these uh, problems arise where we disagree on this whole coronavirus pandemic. But what we do need is to get this thing in before, in my opinion, uh, a nasty second wave hits us in the uh, cold months ahead, it, it, this, this fall and winter when respiratory virus uh, is uh, most capable of spreading and, and being contracted and, and, so, and infecting people. So we need to, if we're going to have these sports play, it's got to be soon. It has to be. Uh, and I'm looking at you too, NBA, and we'll get to that in, in just a moment. I've all but, in a week's time, almost given up hope on Major League Baseball. And even if they do play, which, I, you know, I still do feel like they're going to have a season. But even then, I'm kind of so turned off by it. I don't know that this is going to be a year that, I, uh, that I'm not cheering against baseball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, this might be the time when I'm a Mike Trout fan rather than a baseball fan. Although I haven't really heard him speaking out against uh, anyone that's complaining about losing millions of dollars. He is set to lose more than anybody. Uh, that has just recently signed a big contract, I should say. But nevertheless, uh, it's just it's disheartening to see what, how baseball is conducting themselves. But I think when it comes to college sports when it, or professional sports or high school sports, it's important to get them in now. And I don't care if we play them all in a month between one and four months span – and then we're sitting around going, okay, well, the second wave never came, and it's not too bad, and, well, we probably could have uh, put that off and just started the season regularly or whatever. That's fine. That's a, that, at least you got a season in, and then you'll have an extended off season, or you can adjust the next season start or whatever. But the important thing, I think, is to get the seasons in. Obviously, this is all caveated with everyone remaining as healthy and safe as possible. What David Locke said on the big show on Thursday, I thought was brilliant. I thought was dead on and was exactly what I've been thinking uh, for some time now. I, if we're sitting back and waiting to resume sports or, or any activity, frankly, until there's no threat, 
we're never going to go back to that activity ever because we're not going to eradicate this thing. It's not going to just be miraculously eliminated and never show its head again. We're going to have to wait for a vaccine. We're going to have to wait for some better antiviral medication. We're going to have to take these steps. But in the meantime, we got to find a way to combat it while still living with it amongst us. If you have underlying conditions or your loved ones or, or your coworkers or whatever, then it's, it changes the game for you. It, it does. And everyone, we've got to just allow concession for everyone to make their decision that they feel is best for they and their family and loved ones. That, that period, the end of story, because we have to find a way to go through life as smoothly as we possibly can while stemming the deaths uh, that come from coronavirus. In the meantime, we have to. We can't just sit around and wait for it to go away. Anyway, I'm getting a little on my soapbox there, but back to the University of Utah welcoming back student-athletes to their campus. It's a good step in the right direction, and they're admitting that, yeah, we've got to carry on in some way, shape, or form, even with this pandemic still going on. Uh, they, they continue in their release. Uh, Kyle Brennan, deputy athletics director, said, quote, when it comes to our student-athletes, they're adults, they're young people, but they're adults. They have lives outside of here. Our job is to do everything we can to educate them and put them in the best situation possible to handle these situations when they come into them. So whether they're shopping at a store, they want to go work out somewhere else, or they want to go for some entertainment, a movie theater, our trainers and doctors will sit down with them and advise them on the safest course of action to live their private lives outside of when we have them. When we have them here, we're definitely going to monitor and take care of them, but we do send them on their way and a lot of student-athletes live off campus. So while we don't control every aspect of their lives, we do everything we can to educate them, put them in the best position possible to be safe. And that's really important to to keep in mind as well. You can't just imprison these student-athletes inside their dorms where they can only go from the dorm to the the workout facility to the stadium and back. Now they got to have lives too. And they are, for all intents and purposes, a student athlete they're gonna have classes they got to deal with and if you remember times when you were that age you got to go have some fun too you only get that time of your life once but you got to have fun responsibly the lake of the ozarks thing was an absolute embarrassment and there's things like that happening all over the place that's just the one that stands out in my mind over memorial day weekend but you can still make memories and enjoy your this time of your life while still being as safe as you possibly can it's possible just it, it is, and just understand that that's the quote-unquote new normal that you've got to deal with at this time. But anyway, in all, uh, the return to play or return to campus for student-athlete, you can find the entire document, by the way, online. They've posted it in a PDF form. And I just, to overview the thing, I'll read the overview that they have. Number one guiding principles, the health and safety of student-athletes and staff. All protocols created in accordance with state, federal, NCAA, and Pac-12 guidelines. Their goals are to create safe and manageable return groups of student-athletes and staff, decentralize potential areas of congestion and cross-contamination amongst teams and student-athletes, and create a contract a contact tracing system within the, the department. Now, how they're going to do the contact tracing uh, phase of that, I'm not entirely full, fully clear on. Uh, it seems that they've got things in place and they've got plans and ideas, 
but it didn't seem to me like they had this exact uh, testing. It's in a, it's in the guinea pig stage, nevertheless. But here's what some of them said about that. Uh, uh, the uh, antibody tests have, uh, prior to a student athlete's voluntary return to campus, the university will administer an antibody test and a COVID-19 test. Antibody tests, though, have been known to have a high false positive rate. And Utah's head team physician, Dr. David Petron, said the test, though, will help them identify athletes that may have contracted the virus, which will help them further track cardiac and pulmonary measures. So the, the first part of uh, contact tracing is you got to have a, a base to start from. You got to know which students for sure, uh, well, uh, most likely had already dealt with the disease. And Mark Harlan said a few weeks ago on the Hans and Scotty show that there have been student athletes who came down with and later recovered from COVID-19. All right, that's uh, stop one on a Wear Red Friday edition of the EP podcast. We go to the NBA now. And uh, we go to Shams Sharania's Twitter for, uh, for the latest here. Yesterday, the NBA held a phone call with the general managers, uh, the 30 general managers around the league. I'm assuming there were some assistant general managers on there as well and other personnel. But for all intents and purposes, it was a GM call. And that was met with uh, a lot of anticipation leading up to that of would they be discussing in detail when, where, how, why, who the returns, uh, the return to play plans of the NBA. Well, that didn't come to be, and uh, uh, indications are that there won't be on today's call with the Board of Governors a decision made either. They're going to probably work on it through the weekend, and hopefully by Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, have something a little more concrete to go on. But in the meantime, here are some uh, details that Sham Sharania is reporting. Of course, he's with uh, the, uh, the Athletic and Stadium. And he said that uh, uh, fifty that the they had a survey amongst the GMs, and the details of that have been revealed. That fifty three percent of GMs are are preferring to advance directly to the playoffs. Twenty seven percent would prefer a abbreviated season with a play in situation. Sixty percent voted for seventy two game season playoffs plus. This idea that uh, you'll have all the playoff teams and then a handful of others, 83% voted 20 or more teams should be involved in a playoff plus situation. Non-playoff teams were split on resuming the season. Uh, he then uh, followed that up with uh, more details that uh, most GMs want the season to end no later than October 1. GMs want larger roster and more flexibility to manage that roster. And 53% voted to maintain traditional playoff seeding, while 47% were in favor of reseeding. So what does all this mean? Well, as you look, as we go back over those numbers, it's a landslide victory that the GMs would like to go directly to the playoffs, 53%, compared to just 27% who wanted an abbreviated season and then a play into the playoffs. So that's a landslide victory there. It looks like we might go to a direct-to-playoffs type situation if these resu- if these surveys uh, held out to be true. 60% voted for 72-game season. Now, this is where I get uh, a little confused, and I think what has happened here is that that first question was, okay, do you want a playoffs or do you want a little season and then the playoffs? And that was the answer to that. Then they removed themselves from that idea and said, if it is – 
a abbreviated season, how long would you like the season to be? And 60% said 72 games. So that's 60%. I assume that means 40% uh, made up the other. Uh, and I don't think it was just 72 games or other. I think it was probably a handful of different ideas. So 60%, that seems like a landslide victory there as well. So I think uh, if, if the survey was the end-all, be-all, which it isn't, of course, but let's pretend for a moment it was, that the results of this survey, so let it be written, so let it be done, this is what the NBA would be doing, we would be going directly to a playoffs situation. If we didn't, there would be a 72-game cap on the regular season. Now that means some teams have seven games left to play, some have six, some have five. And, and that would be uh, the situation there. Now, 83% voted that if there were a playoffs plus scenario enacted, 83% say there needs to be a minimum of 20 teams involved. So two-thirds of the league would need to be involved in a playoffs plus situation. If you take the 16 teams that are currently in the playoffs – and then uh, the idea that's been floated around out there because the Eastern Conference race is not as close, quote-unquote, as the Western Conference race for those final seeds. So you take the four, the, the 9, 10, 11, 12 seeds in the Western Conference, that gives you your 20 teams. However, for me personally, I don't feel that that is – and look, you're never gonna, it's never going to be fair in this unique circumstance but claiming uh, inequality – you might, you're going to be right, but you're going to be beating your head against the wall. Nothing's, nothing's going to change it. Someone's going to have an unfair shake at the end of this. But for me, I think it's kind of silly to let the Blazers, for example, who are three and a half games back of the eighth seed, try to play into the playoffs or be involved in a playoffs plus scenario, while the Wizards... I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, maybe it's the Nets. Uh, anyway, someone over there is five games back. Well, wh- why is three and a half versus five that different? That You know, that, that just does not seem to be entirely the way that I would go with this thing. However, that, that's probably what they're going to do. And, of course, those non-playoff teams were split on whether or not they wanted to resume the season. And then as we go back over some of these other numbers, the season ending no later than October 1st, I think that that will be exactly what happens. GMs wanting larger roster and more flexibility to manage their roster. What that tells me is they're anticipating some players, A, will not be ready to get back onto the court, which how can you blame them? And so they're going to need some other help help, uh, on the roster. They've got G League players that they would have maybe been utilizing on the lead into the playoffs and in the playoffs had the season finished regularly that they'd like to include on the roster. And they assume that there's going to be some injuries due to inactivity for so long, jumping right back into playing basketball. And so they want the ability to add more players to the roster. And then finally, 53% voted to maintain the traditional playoff seating and 47% are for reseeding. That is not a landslide victory, obviously. That is the closest call among these uh, details that Sham Sharani has reported. If I were asked, my preference would be to have a reseed, meaning you do 1 through 16 regardless of conference and play that way. Uh, I think that that's how it should be done anyway, permanently going forward. I think they ought to do away with conferences. Uh, to, other than for scheduling purposes. But I, th- I don't see why there's any reason you can't play all teams two times a season 
and call that good. I, I just don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, I think that what they'll probably do is stick to the traditional seeding and then have like a play-in tournament with four other teams, those four Western Conference 9, 10, 11, and 12-seeded teams. So there you go. Details about the NBA. We'll see what else comes out after the Board of Governors call today. See what details leak out in our reported Howard Beck on the big show on Fridays from Bleacher Report, Chris Mannix on Monday from Sports Illustrated, Sam Amick on Thursdays from The Athletic. That's going to do it for a Wear Red Friday edition of the EP Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for subscribing, for listening, for rating, for sharing. You can find us anywhere you find your podcasts. Online at 1280thezone.com slash ep-podcast. You can Google search the EP Podcast Austin Horton or the EP, co- EP Podcast The Zone. You can go to TuneIn, iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, iTunes. Just find the EP Podcast. Now, I did find out there's a another EP podcast out there, Evergreen Park podcast. Come on, that's not that's not what you want. You want this, the EP podcast with Austin Horton. So make sure you find the right one there. But subscribe, get your updates, get your notifications on. You'll never miss an episode. And I uh, appreciate you, you tuning in. As always, I'm Austin Horton. Looking forward to a Military Monday edition coming up on Monday. Get your red out. Wear red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed. I'll see you Monday. Until then, be good to each other. Time now for the laugh of the day. <laughs> this, is, um, this is the part of the year where, if you're a sports fan like me, I don't know, um, we're taping this at the time where basketball just finished, hockey just finished. This is when it gets rough. I mean, I like baseball, but, you know, it gets rough right now. That's probably why you're here. You're like, let's go to see some comedy because there's nothing on. <laughs> and what happens is ESPN, they, they have to justify why they're around. So they start showing stuff that's not sports. This is when it happens. They start putting on activities but try to pass them off as sports. Dart throwing, activity. <laughs> Bowling, activity. <laughs> the other day I saw a cup stacking. <laughs> now, f- for those of you who... Um, for those of you who don't know what cup stacking is, let me explain to you. It's cup stacking. I, I, <laughs> they give kids cups and they, and they stack them. I'm like, put the cups away, go outside and take your beating like a man. Go outside. <laughs> We can't find a sport for everyone, is what I'm saying. Like, cup stacking? You know how low that ha- You know how many teams you didn't make to... <laughs> Activities, man. Fishing, I mean, fun activity, but an activity. I don't want to watch people fish. How do you watch people fish? It's so boring, you have to just go fishing yourself. <laughs> And here's how you know, all these things I'm saying, uh, I said dart throwing, fishing, here's how you know your sport is just an activity. A little litmus test, if you're wondering. If you're the best in the world at your sport, but you still have a roommate. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's an activity, that's not a sport. <laughs> if you hold the world record 
But you split the cable bill. I'm sorry, that's not activity. That's not. Michael Jordan never had roommates. Like Michael Jordan never came home from winning a championship and there were three guys on beanbags playing PlayStation. And they were like, hey Mike, how'd it go? Uh, yeah, yeah, we won. We won the championship again, yeah. Um, hey guys, um, anybody know what happened to that, that chow mein that I had in the fridge? It was almost full, it was a thing of chow mein. So nobody knows what happened to the chow mein. Okay, okay. I said I was gonna win the championship, come home, and eat that chow mein. <laughs> I wrote my name on it, you didn't see my name. It said MJ's championship chow mein, you guys didn't see that on the... <laughs> 